There was a river watering the garden and flowed from Eden. From there it separated into four headwaters. This river works backwards from all other rivers in the world. With most rivers, a river um, is fed by other rivers. You know, the, 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 the Minnesota and the Cottonwood join together, and where do they flow? into the Mississippi eventually, which eventually goes into the Gulf of Mexico and eventually then into the Atlantic Ocean. This river divided into four other rivers rather than, so it's feeding rivers rather than being fed by rivers. So something is a little bit different than what we would normally expect and it separates into these four headwaters and they are very, very large other waters. Also, what direction does water flow? No, it, it is they, the, the river itself is, is, is the source of the other rivers. That's what happens here. Oh, okay. it, it, it is the headwater of these other headwaters, okay. these other rivers. Okay. But I, it, my, my question was meant to be simpler, which is what direction does water flow? Down. Down, down. yeah, down, just down. So therefore, there, there are four major rivers coming out of Eden. So where geographically is Eden? It's up. It's high. Say that again. Oh, not necessarily. It could be southern hemisphere. Just high. High up in the elevation. It's just, it's, I don't know if it was on a mountain or on a very high plain or whatever it was, but it was high. So the waters flowed out of Eden. Therefore, consider this, wherever you were in the world, if one of these four, you're a descendant of Adam and Eve, and you're near one of these waters coming out of it, which way is Eden? Well, it's just upstream. It's a very easy way to navigate, you know, where, oh, which way is the water flowing? That way is Eden. The other way is, is, is Eden. So we get to these names, and we can't really do much with them, but we got four verses to talk about them, so we will. The name of the first is the Paishan. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. What's onyx? It is a black precious stone. That's exactly right. Onyx is sometimes a substitute for a precious stone in a ring. You know, if you can't get a ruby, onyx is also gorgeous because it's a black stone that does not easily scratch. It's quite gorgeous, actually. And if you cut it right and you hold it up to the light, there can be little starbursts of things inside of onyx. It's quite, quite lovely. Onyx was, onyx was also used as a decorative accent in Egyptian art. Like, like the, the, the eyes of an idol might be onyx or something like that. Um, so is obviously precious. Uh, gold is obviously precious, and aromatic resin. That's, you know, nice smelling stuff. You know, beautiful things that are easy to use. Um, but why does Moses bother to talk about Havilah before the flood? Because it's not in the same place after the flood. So where, what is Moses actually talking about? We think that, we think that, uh, that this Paishan um, is some river, 
you know, going off in some direction where there were lots and lots of good things. But is it possible that it was some river over in what we would think of as, as Western Africa? Um, or something else, I'm not really sure. Um, but we have the problem of this is pre-flood, so I, I don't really know. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. Well, where's Cush for us? Ethiopia. Ethiopia. So what river winds all the way through the land of Cush? The Nile. Yeah. So that's that's the 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 Nile starts in Central Africa and flows what direction? Due north. Yeah. If you're on the Nile and you're in you're living in ancient times, to to flow to to to, to travel north means to do nothing. Because no matter what you do, if you just cross your arms and you're in a boat, you're going to go north. Because that's the way the current goes. To go south means you put up a sail. And you follow the, the, the air uh, uh, southward. And that, that's it. So the Egyptians were not great sailors. Because they didn't have to be. They, you know, because to go north for an Egyptian is, to, is, is just to do nothing. And to, and to go south is just to put up one sail. So the Egyptians didn't have to learn how to sail. The Greeks had to learn how to sail. You know, and, and other people had to learn how to sail. The Egyptians never really had to learn how to sail. Laura? Almost nobody has. Um, yeah. It made me think of Psalm 46. There's a river whose streams make glad the city, the city of God. God yeah. Um, and is that talking more about God's presence in Psalm 46? Um, the river. Or what is the river in Psalm 46? Well, th that's that's a really good question. I'm sure that. Well, I, no, I'm I'm not sure. I'm 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 positive that Luther talks about the the river in Psalm 46 as being the word of God. That comes out from the mouth of the Lord. Okay. Yeah. What's the hymn Luther wrote on Psalm 46? It's it's a mighty fortress. That's where a mighty fortress comes from. Yeah. He didn't use that line in 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 a mighty fortress, but the rest of it is is that. Right. And, 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 and what does a river bring, most especially in terms of physical things? Life, life. yeah, all of, all of the blessings, the basic blessings. What is it that makes even the desert bloom is the river, yeah, the water. The third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. Here Moses uses an easier term. So thanks, Moses, I appreciate that. And the fourth river is the Euphrates, um, which originally was called the frat. Then the Greeks liked it, so they called it the good frat, which is what Euphrates means. Um, the difference between the Tigris and the Euphrates, Tigris is our word Tigris. What is a Tigris in English? <laughs> a lady tiger, and you don't want to mess with her. And, 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 and the good frat, the gentle river, is the river that you want to be on. So of those two rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, 
the Tigris has a lot of rapids and a lot of bends and winds and windings, and the Tigris will do bad things to your boat. But the good frat, the Euphrates, is the one you want to be on. So they even named them. Are you raising your hand in my classroom? Wow. So Go ahead, we're, sir. We're talking about pre-flood rivers. Right. With the first two rivers, we're saying, well, we don't know exactly where they are. Yeah. Because that was pre-flood. But the Tigris and the Euphrates are named rivers after the flood. Right. Are they the same rivers? Or were they rivers that were named Tigris and Euphrates in honor of the old rivers that used to be? Before the flood. Isn't that just the best question? Yes. Absolutely. You were fearing that answer from me, weren't you? Because it's just a great question. And I don't know the answer. Uh, Moses is using uh, uh, names that, 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 that mystify us because two of them are unfamiliar and two of them are more than familiar. Um, and so I like your second um, thesis there are the, are the modern rivers the post-flood rivers sort of named in honor of the pre-flood rivers and I think maybe you've got something there how long ago were the Tigris and Euphrates named? I mean, well those, those names in our literature comes from uh, uh, I mean the, the, the Noah's the, descendants right? well the, the frat is named that already in the Old Testament in Hebrew. So you, you have that name. And then the Greeks called it the Good Frat. Um, and the Tigris is a Greek name also. So at least by the 400s BC, they had those names. And the Euphrates had its name even before then. Um, it wasn't called the Euphrates, but just the Phrates or the Frat before then. So in prophetic times. So I... I'm going to say back to maybe shortly after David's lifetime. If I can just throw it back at least that far. Well, Moses is before David, right? Yes, Moses in, is... In the Hebrew, or yeah. does he use Hebrew? Yes. In the Hebrew, does he call them the same thing that they're called in David's times and beyond? Or are they... yeah, well, yeah, that, that would put us to, four, to, to um, um, 1446, is the year of the flood and the year that Moses is using these kinds of words for them. So that's old. Not as old as the flood, but old. You know, in Moses, because Moses is writing many centuries after the flood. But he's using words, I think he's using, at least with Tigris and Euphrates, he's got to mean rivers that would mean something to his readers. You know. You would assume those names would exist as far back as Moses is writing. As Moses writing, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go on just a little bit further. Which is, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So this is Adam's role in the garden. Notice that Eve is still not created yet. This is We're still in just, just Adam. So we're, I don't know how long, Minutes into Adam's lifetime. You know, the clock has slowed way down here as we're kind of going through. Instead of having the, the, the movie run at normal pace here, the Lord has cut down to like a slideshow. You know, click, 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 click. 
so we're not going pretty very quickly here, but this is the work in paradise for Adam, as opposed to our work in our future paradise. For Adam in paradise, he had to work the garden and the soil, farm, plant, care for, harvest, nurture, you know, and then take care of it, watch it, tend it, maybe pick stones and so forth. Were there stones to pick before the, before the thorns came? I don't know. Um, but by making Adam pick stones, if he did pick stones, do you know what I mean by picking stones? Have any of you not picked stones? Or have we all had the joy of picking stones? I don't know. Yana, have you gone to Grandpa's house to pick stones? The brothers have. I don't think the brothers have, not yet. You will. You will. But what might God allow Adam to discover if he's got to pick stones for his, his flower garden? Well, he might discover gold and silver and like, oh, there's stuff in the ground that would be useful. You know, I'll have Eve, you know, heat this up on the, on the campfire. We'll see what happens. No, but down the road, down the road. And then he's got to name the animals, you know. So Glenn, Greg, Edgar, giraffe, and so forth. Now, our work in our future paradise, tell me if I can flip the slide or if you want me not to. That's okay. Yana's still writing. In the future paradise, you know, how that kind of compares. I have eight things that we might do. We might possibly work the garden and the soil, farm, plant, care for, harvest, nurture. Is it possible that I could, you know, one of, one of the greatest joys of my childhood was knowing that my yard was bounded by peonies, snapdragons, lilacs, and rhubarb, you know? And to me, that was like paradise. And by the way, those were also the baselines for second, third, and then, <laughs> and then going back home again. Um, and, uh, and my brother and I sometimes did bad things to mother's plants. But, um, but I, I loved being there and being among those things. Um, and also to take care of it, to watch it, to tend it, and maybe to pick stones and admire the glory of God even in, even in heaven and in paradise. But more than that, might we possibly do food preparation in heaven? I don't want to get into the debate right this second, although we might, about will we eat or not in heaven. But we will have the body we have now in paradise. It will not be a separate body. There were dogmaticians in the, in, in centuries ago who argued that in heaven our bodies will be homogenous and uniform with no separate organs. However, what does Jesus do immediately after the resurrection? Took a piece of broiled fish and ate it in front of them. Yeah, um, so there are things like that that suggest that that can be a part of our resurrection. And for many human beings, eating, for my father-in-law, for example, Pastor John P. Meyer, eating and drinking were one of life's greatest pleasures. He delighted in the taste of his wife's cooking. Go ahead. In heaven. Yes. Is the Bible <laughs> refer to seeing things? Or the use of other senses, such as hearing? Yes. Well, for one thing, um, uh, you have things, there are images that the Bible gives us. We will see uh, one another. We will see Christ. We will see the river. And we will, and then the, 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 the river, the tree of life in Revelation um, blossoms 
and then comes to full fruit where we will pick the fruit and eat it or have it for ourselves, you know, a different fruit every month, you know, in, in, in heaven from the same trees, evidently. Yeah. So if you want to say magic trees in your head, go ahead. But I would say miraculous trees um, um, here. So I, I also, I don't know why I did that. Sweep up the confetti after morning chapel in heaven. I'd be okay with that, you know. <laughs> One of my earliest memories of traveling as a, as a small child was my family went across the border into Canada where uh, the son of our next door, or uh, one of our childhood neighbors, was a missionary in Canada. And we helped him pick up rice from the church, from the, from the uh, what's it called, astroturf on the church steps because they had had a wedding that day. So that's, and it was a lot of fun, actually, and talking about, he was, you know, Pastor Gartman was talking about the things that they had done and so forth, and it was fun to hear, and it was just a joy. Um, would, will we get to write and preach sermons in heaven? I would love it if you get to write and preach sermons in heaven. You know, it's just, that's one of the greatest joys I have on earth. And do I get to do it again? Um, do I get, you know, am I up after Marty every day? You know, after, up after Luther? And Luther's after Paul? You know, and like, oh, man, and each one of us is going, oh, even more. But yeah. Um, what about taking your angels to Bible class? What we're told in the scriptures that the angels long to look into these things as well. And so you can say to your guardian angels, who now you can see, want to come to Bible class with me? We'll look into these things together and, and talk about stuff. And you get to teach your angel things and your angels get to teach you things and you get to read and talk about it together. A human history review, but without anguish over sinfulness. Therefore, maybe a short course. I don't know. And then, uh, Yana, should there be playtime in heaven? Uh, I, I kind of would like to have playtime in heaven. Get out and run around on the grass and, and chase the sheep and the dogs and things like that. Prayer time in heaven. Um, if I get to pray to God and he gets to answer me in person. Um, but a cool thing, and maybe many, many other things. I didn't mean for any of these to be facetious. I was When I wrote this list, I was actually thinking about what would delight me the most in heaven. Our former you know. principal wants to be on the lake fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his and a real real possibility yeah. of being on the lake oh. fishing. Yeah. I think we built number three. Food preparation. <laughs> what are you going to do with all your time? You know, I agree. I'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sunset is great, but if you have to make one, that kind of people to joy. Some people have nothing but joy in food preparation. And to be honest, I take lately a great pleasure in washing my family's dishes at night. It's one of the last things I do in my day. Um, but if I have, if the mail is taken care of, dishes are done, I've done the litter box, fed the cats, cleaned out the water dishes and watered the cats. If I'm clean and my children are safe, then I can go to bed. And so it's part of my routine at night. But, you know, Jesus says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The great privilege of prayer um, is to go to God with anything that's in your heart, on your mind, um, 
and, and take it before the Lord. Will we not still have that privilege in heaven just because God is there? Um, no, to continue to pray and to talk to him. One last item before our time is up, which is, this is quite a one to end with, isn't it? And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. So complete freedom to eat from any tree means nothing poisonous, nothing dangerous, nothing foul tasting, nothing bitter. Everything would be at least neutral, if not sweet and beneficial. Um, so God telling Adam, anything you see hanging off a tree, go ahead. That's a nice way of doing it. You know, where if, if it, it's a nice way for Adam to figure it out. Because otherwise, how would he understand bananas? You know, or coconuts or whatever it is. But he gets it. Okay, that I can eat that. And, he, and, and how he got to understand the, uh, the pineapple is beyond me. But there are a couple ways of doing a pineapple. And there are a couple of other things that are difficult. What's the one that you have to, like, invert to make it work properly? I forget what it is. Is it... Is it the pomegranate or the mango or something like that? No, that mango is easy. But is it the pomegranate that has all the pips in it and everything? Yeah. Okay. So God, God finishes here that the thought, eat any tree in the garden, but you must not tree from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So that tree is not intended for food. Its sole purpose is, is one thing, to permit man to show his obedient love for God. God gives Adam one command, one thou shalt not. So go ahead and do this, go ahead and do this, name things, plant things, you know, take care of things, enjoy your life, enjoy the garden, um, eat from any tree you see, but not from this one. Um, and why the one law? Adam had no other way of worshiping God. This now, this, this, this law becomes church for Adam. And this is the first estate. God gives mankind three estates in which to live. And the church is the first estate. We live as believers of God. So the, the one law, do not eat from the one tree. And the essence of this law is simply to love God more than anything else to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what does God mean by saying you will certainly die? That's part of it. What, what, let, let's just explore the facets of this thing. Your so, you're, you're, yeah, you've lost immortality now. Your life becomes finite. You will actually stop breathing. You'll die. Um, and, and, but since you've lost your relationship with God, this is also serious because it means you're not going to paradise. You violate the law. With regard to the law, that's the only answer to the law. You break the law, you're condemned to hell. That's a very interesting question about the tree of life. Was it the tree that made them immortal or was it God who made them immortal? God created, God created the tree 
he made means we will have it again in heaven. And uh, and now it, it, this kind of, this is this is certainly an awkward place to stop because our time is up. Um, but let's come up. Let's let's come back to that question about about the tree. And about this question of what did God mean by you will certainly die. And then we're going to look at what God is providing for man with that, with, with what's coming. Because we don't have the gospel yet. We only have the law. Which all make, what always makes it a bad place to stop. But of course we have the gospel, which is Christ. And our forgiveness in Christ. But we'll end there, which is actually, let me go backwards. Um, verse, yeah, verse 17. We'll pick it up there next time. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.